You're listening to the Getting Smart Podcast, where we unpack what's new and innovative in education. Today, we'll hear from Patricia DeClotz, or as Tom calls her, the Queen of Awesomeness. Pat is the superintendent from the Kettle Marine School District in Wisconsin, and she was also the 2016 Wisconsin Superintendent of the Year, which is so well-deserved given the amount of innovation and change that she's brought to the schools in the district. From multi-age to project-based to competency-based teacher learning, she's helping to push education in the right direction. Right, and she clearly also has accomplished this with the support of teachers in her district. Pat will share that much of her focus is on building teams, capacity, and support from the ground up, not by forcing ideas upon her staff. And while Pat's done a lot in the district, we asked her to share about how she's worked with teachers and what she's done to change their professional learning experiences over the past several years. First, we asked about how she's recruiting teachers to work within her district. That recruitment process requires a long view. It's not a short-term type of effort. I think a big part of our recruitment efforts comes from trying to build this culture of innovation and failing forward. The idea of helping other districts around us understand how we're doing things, letting them experience tours of some of those learning environments. But, you know, you build a reputation of innovation, and that is attractive. So part of that recruitment effort is in just building a reputation that is understood in the communities. More specifically, I think part of it is uh, in the interviewing process. And as we build that understanding of who that teacher is and what are their personal goals and objectives in their instructional roles and how does that align with the work that we're trying to do. So it's really about a best fit and making sure that there is that personal alignment with organizational alignment. The other thing with recruitment is we've worked with a couple of our local colleges to develop extended student placements for student teaching. So it's more of an internship that uh, lasts over an entire year where they're partnering in some of those innovative learning classrooms to develop an experience alongside mature mentor teachers. And that has been successful. We've done this on a small scale, but it's exciting enough that we're expanding it a little bit this year and uh, see it as a really positive way of not only um, helping to build our own pipeline, but building a pipeline of educators that will bring it to other districts. Pat mentioned partnerships with local universities, so we asked her to share more. One not-so-obvious strategy was to get some of our university people on governance councils of our charter schools. So as they see and learn about the work of the school, it certainly generates thought. Some of our charter directors actually are adjunct faculty and teaching courses at that university level to help those new to the profession learn about a personalized learning environment, a project-based learning environment, what a generative curriculum uh, might look like or mean. So um, those have all been successful. And again, as you think about scale, we are not a large district, we're a small district. So we're having an impact, but I would say it's it's a ripple effect. It's not a big boulder in the middle of the stream. And as for existing teachers, Pat shared several strategies that they're using to support their development and learning. We've got a number of things that we're doing that I think contribute to um, success and satisfaction there. And we certainly are very committed to uh, empowering and engaging teachers in their own personalized learning through the micro-credential process. 
So we are in our third year of using micro-credentials as a way of teachers increasing their base compensation, and that has been very powerful work, and it's the type of work that is building an alignment among staff for the initiatives that the district values. So there's a pre-approval process just to make sure that we've got uh, funds encumbered for those adjustments. And then the beauty of the micro-credential, in in my mind, is it really gives teachers the experience that we're hoping they're giving to their students as well. It's not just a seat time requirement, but they need to submit artifacts of the learning that include how they did their learning, a reflection on that learning, what the student demonstration or assessment of that learning was, student reflection on that learning. So it's it's a robust look at uh, the impact the learning has in their classroom. And that has been very powerful in our district. Uh, I would say that probably, and I'm going to forget, I'm going to say about 80% of our teachers have engaged in some level of micro-credential. And we see that just continuing to be very well received to the point that we've had some prospective educators choose us over another district because they saw that appreciation that we have for teacher professionalism in the micro-credentialing process. The micro-credentials are also valuable to educators in their licensing and in their uh, annual professional learning goal. So there's just a very relevant use for a micro-credential or that micro-credential process in the teacher's kind of development of their career pathway. Another thing that we've used that's been very positive when it comes to some of the PBL work is the EdCamp format of learning where the teachers become the experts, the people in the room identify the focus areas of study and they collaboratively work around an issue. That we've done district-wide for I think three years now and it's being replicated in buildings on some of the professional development opportunities to really meet the needs of the teachers as they look at some of this new work we're expecting of them. So EdCamp is another really good format. And then I would say probably one that I think has a great deal of promise is that Educator Pathway, where when we see leadership emerging, in a particular area of expertise, personalized learning, project-based learning, or sometimes it's in a content area, we differentiate and allow a teacher to be um, what we call a lead educator. That lead educator takes the role of a, a coach among colleagues, as well as a model classroom for colleagues. The individual can go in and co-teach with someone who might have a question about project-based learning. It's recognition of 10 additional days on their base pay, and those days are very fluid uh, and probably not well-defined, but it's the expectation that you are using some of your, whether it's prep time or after-school time or weekend time or whatever it is that professionals all engage in, to help meet the needs of that team that you're working with. 
Unlike some districts where charters are not always a part of the conversation and are just coexisting with other schools in the district, the charters in Kettle Moraine are such a big part of teacher development and innovation. Listen as Pat describes how this works. When we looked at the board charge to transform our educational delivery system, we didn't exactly know how to navigate that water. And as we researched how do we do this work, charter law in Wisconsin was intended to provide that kind of model where you could pilot in a microcosm a new approach and use it as a um, lab school, if you will, but use it, use it as a way of helping to understand the intricacies of what you were doing in a controlled fashion and investigate and scale it when there is success. So we have absolutely embraced that opportunity My charters all have their own independent governance councils, but these directors sit on my leadership council. They have teachers, because it is an instrumentality charter, they can sometimes share at the high school level teachers, so they might be a 60% in a charter or 40% in our, our comprehensive high school. When a teacher has an exposure to that kind of learning, you don't turn it on and off like a light switch. And there are the collegial relationships that develop and the intentional expectation that teachers observe each other and give feedback to each other. That absolutely helps to raise the understanding and the comfort level and build a support network of expertise as people try to uh, scale these things in their own classrooms. Last year and this year, just so just for two years, we've had uh, one of our charter directors, part of her role is as a coach to our other administrators and the teams that they're putting together to make this transformation. So she leads professional development of the team. She comes in and help them in their planning and in their troubleshooting on difficult issues and guides their work. And it's really been a nice kind of like, you know, boots on the ground approach, not to have it look the same, but to support the teachers and the principal as they're walking in unfamiliar territory. So that's been another very, very uh, valuable role and responsibility that we've structured that has had great traction. You're listening to the Getting Smart Podcast, and we're talking with Superintendent Pat DeClotz from the Kettle Moraine School District. This podcast is part of our It's a Project-Based World campaign, a year-long campaign that explores the economic realities of a project-based world as part of the equity movement to ensure all students are prepared for college, career, and citizenship. For more about It's a Project-Based World, visit gettingsmart.com and do a search on Twitter with hashtag projectbased. Next up, we'll hear from Pat on a vision for the future of teacher development and preparation. I would love for teacher prep to recognize competency-based learning and to allow people to navigate that career development without it being locked into a time and seat-based requirement. I really believe that as we're trying to meet the needs of our business partners who live in a competency-based world, we need education to reflect that understanding, and we have to have teachers experience it if they're going to be able to enable it in their classrooms. 
So to facilitate competency-based learning at the university level is like a real dream of mine. And there's some basic skills, you know, classroom management skills, that if you don't have that developed, I don't care what working environment you're in, you're going to struggle. So let's not say you've got it when you don't. Let's make sure we expose you to the kind of mentor and coach that can develop it, because it is a prerequisite. We asked Pat to give us an example of how these changes have impacted the district and relationships within the schools and among staff. There's just so many examples. I'll give you the example of um, one of our district goals has to do with um, literacy skills and increasing the levels of literacy skills that we have, not just at the elementary, but in our high school. And, um, you know, as, as we align with the Common Core, the uh, concepts of disciplinary literacy, what does that mean? And for someone who has been educated maybe 10 or 15 years ago in a mathematics strand or social studies strand, they've received zero, really, any instruction in what are literacy strategies in reading and content area. And rather than require teachers to attend something, we had a couple of of our leaders, our coaches at the high school, suggest that they develop a micro-credential and close reading uh, for the content areas. And I think in the first time they offered it, 40 people signed up. So sometimes, you know, I think we get critical of people not aligning with the work that we want them to do when we haven't given them the tools they need to do the work. And this was a way of recognizing the effort, and it was, like, not even on our radar. It got handed to us on the silver platter of this is the work that we want to do. We think people want to support, and they were absolutely right. Another big area of growth is just as we say – And my community said, personalized learning is something for all students, not for some students. So when they come out with a statement like that, now every teacher is saying, what does that mean for me? How do I do that in a way that supports me, in a way that I can be safe? Because we all know that if you're not feeling safe, you're not learning, right? Fear is a real inhibitor to any kind of creative or learning process. So these cohorts of personalized learning efforts have had tremendous influence to the point where, um, you know, we've got examples in all of these buildings. In every one of my 10 schools, I can show you examples of personalized project-based learning that's occurring throughout the district. We hope that you all enjoyed the podcast. And if you're interested in the role of school leadership, you should head to our iTunes channel and check out Bonnie's interview around deeper learning and educational leadership prep with Jeff Petty. Jeff's the founder and director of the Puget Sound Consortium for School Innovation. You'll find it in season one, episode two. For the Getting Smart Podcast, this is Kat and Megan signing off.